If you would visit my office, there you find on the wall, hanging with a great deal of pride and joy, the certificate of citizenship of the United States of America. On that very memorable day in April of 1984, I stood in Judge Owen Forrester's courtroom and pledged allegiance to the United States. And I thought ever since that time, that very special time in my life, I thought about the millions of people who have stood in that same place before me and the millions of others who have stood after me. And I thought of the millions of people around the world even today who are thinking and understanding that the United States represents one thing, it represents freedom. You take it for granted because you have not known any other. But had you lived under the tyranny of communism and dictatorship, you would take your citizenship in this country very seriously. And I pray that they would not happen so you can appreciate what it's like. I really don't. But I hope you understand what I'm trying to tell you, even though you have not experienced it. And on that day, when I became a United States citizen, I did not only receive all of the privileges and all of the rights of being a United States citizen, but I also received all of the responsibility that goes with being a United States citizen. I received of all the responsibility that I am to live under the laws of the United States. The responsibility of living under the authority of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. I have no right to be in this country and insist on living by the laws of one of the other countries that I lived in before. That has passed. I have no right to say, well... (laughs) I like this part of the Constitution, and I like these laws, but I really don't like these laws, so I'm going to go on to break them. Well, if you're kind, after I break those laws, you would come and visit me in in the penitentiary. (laughs) Why don't I have that right? Because on that day, in April of 1984, I have surrendered my right, and I came under the authority of the United States laws and constitution. And then I thought about another event that happened nearly 20 years earlier than that. Back in March 1964. When I made another decision. It was far more crucial decision. It was far more important decision. On that day. I also made a decision of a changing of allegiance. Changing my allegiance from the citizenship of Satan and from the citizenship of the world system to the citizenship of the kingdom of God. On that day, back in 1964, I publicly announced that I renounce all other allegiance of any other citizenship except that of the heavenly citizenship. On that day, I submitted myself to the kingdom of God and the authority of the kingdom of God. On that day, I pledged allegiance to the new kingdom. I pledged allegiance to my new king. I pledged allegiance to his legal authority over me. I pledged allegiance to his word, to obey it with all my heart. I have pledged allegiance to surrender all of my rights to him. 
And that day, not only that I was invited to become a citizen of the kingdom of God, but I invited the kingdom of God to come into my heart, into my life. On that day, when I said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ, I said in effect that His rule over me is supreme. I no longer have control over my life, but He does. I no longer am the captain of my ship, but He is. I am no longer the king of my castle, but He is. I am no longer the master of my destiny, but He is. I am no longer have sovereignty over my affairs, but He does. My dear precious friends, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is Christianity, pure and simple. I have to make a confession to you because I hear people preaching and saying, you know, if you come to Jesus and you give your life to Jesus, all your problems will be over and it's going to be hunky-dory ever since. Now I'm going to tell you the truth. (laughs) There are no hidden things in the gospel. There are no snares. There are no small prints. Jesus Christ spelled the cost of discipleship to His disciples before they ever joined. He told them that even... The animals have somewhere to go, but he has no place to lay his head. And he said to them, he said, if you follow me, you're going to have to give up everything for love of me. He told them up front. So there are no tricks in the gospel, no tricks in Christianity. It's all in the open. But I want to make a confession to you. The day I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, is the day that an internal battle in my life had begun. (laughs) A war. I thank God for the godly people around me who taught me how to fight and win in that war. I found myself on numerous occasions, even though I surrendered and I gave my allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ, I found myself on some occasions backtracking, (laughs) trying to take some areas into my control. I found myself trying to bargain and renegotiate the deal with God. (laughs) In the Middle East, we used to bargain, you know. But Jesus was a Middle Easterner too, so you can't out-bargain him. I should have learned that lesson. (laughs) On occasions, I found myself to be saying to my new king, I know back in 1964, I declared you to be the king of my life, but there are some areas I want to take control over in my life. Listen. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to get a PhD to know that God does not like renegotiation of a deal. And you know what? I want to tell you sadly from my side, but God in His mercy, God in His graciousness, God in His infinite wisdom, in those times on when I insisted on taking control of my life, you know what He did? He says, okay, go for it. (laughs) Be my guest. Fine. And then when I made botch of things, I would come to him with bitter tears and said, Oh, God, why did you let me do this? Every single day, every single day, there are millions of people who are saying the words that come from the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come without the foggiest understanding of what they're talking about, without the foggiest understanding of what those words mean, with so little comprehension of the implication of what they're saying. You cannot pray, Thy 
kingdom come without saying to the king, Oh, king, rule supreme over my life. Oh, king Jesus, dominate my thoughts. King Jesus, reign in every member of my body. King Jesus, exercise full sovereignty over me. King Jesus, let your program be my preoccupation in life. That's what you're saying when you say, thy kingdom come, or else stop saying it. Please hear me right. I want to tell you something that is of vital importance. The king and the kingdom are inseparable. You cannot separate them. You cannot say that you're a member of the kingdom of God without Jesus being the king of your life. If you mean to pray, thy kingdom come, you are saying, King Jesus, take over. If you mean to pray, thy kingdom come, you are putting the last nail on the coffin of self. Our self-centered prayers that I hear it, that it makes me cringe most times. People pray, focus on their needs. They focus on their plans. They focus on their aspirations. They focus on their understanding. They focus on their little agendas. That kind of prayer offend God. Often we are like babies who know of no other world except the world of their feelings and their wants. And I want to declare to you on the authority of the Word of God, this is the wrong way to pray. You say, what is the right way to pray? Here it is. God's name comes first. Glory of God comes first. God's kingdom comes first. All of focus is God first. There are, in this world, basically two kingdoms. No third. Two kingdoms, that's it. And you can belong to one of the two, not to both. There is the kingdom of this world system that is dominated by Satan and his demons. And then there is the kingdom of God and of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You are either in the kingdom of the world system or you are in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are no third kingdoms. There are no dual citizenships. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot be dominated by two spirits, either an evil spirit or the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot have divided loyalty as far as God is concerned. You're either loyal to the world system or you're loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Now the kingdom of this world system and its master Satan is in opposition to the kingdom of God. But one day the Bible said Satan will be overthrown. He will be overthrown into the lake of fire. And God will reign, dominate supreme. You know, Pontius Pilate was confused about the two kingdom system. And Jesus put him straight and he said to him, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. Let me ask you this. Where is your citizenship? To which kingdom do you belong? Only you can answer that. It's between you and God. Only you can answer that question. Because in the day of judgment... You will be judged only by one criterion. Which kingdom do you belong to? Did you belong to the kingdom of Jesus or did you belong to the kingdom of this world system? Your church membership will not help you. Your denomination will not help you. Your baptism will not help you. Your religious activities will not help you. Your good works will not help you. Taking communion will not help you. Your Connections and social connections are not going to help you. 
Nothing will help you in the day of judgment except one thing, your membership in the kingdom of God. God has only one way to heaven, and it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. I did not make the rule. He did. I don't negotiate. I don't discuss. I don't rationalize. I accept. And if you genuinely and sincerely can pray, Thy kingdom come, then you're praying that Jesus and only Jesus is the king and supreme ruler over your life. I know I thought about this so hard. Having lived under dictatorship, I guess on the one sense I have an easier way of understanding. And how can I make this to an American congregation who we have no supreme power and authority? Thank God for that. I'm not complaining. Don't misunderstand me. But it's so hard, especially for young people to understand what it means to have a supreme ruler over your life. It is a difficult concept to comprehend. And yet, that is the heart of the Christian faith. That is the heart of the gospel. That is the heart of what Jesus said. Read it in all the gospels. How many times he said, I came to preach the kingdom of God. I came to declare the kingdom of God. In fact, the 40 days from the time he was resurrected from the grave to the time he was ascended in heaven. Those 40 days when he was on the earth. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 3, tells us that he spoke to his disciples of the things concerning the kingdom of God. That is the very heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God, or the rule of God in our hearts. And the kingdom of God is all-encompassing. It is past, it is present, and it is future. It is past where Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are included because by faith they saw Jesus coming. It is present for everyone who come and say, Jesus, I cannot save myself. I come under your authority. You're the king of my life. It is future when Jesus Christ reigns in the new heavens and the new earth and we all together in his presence for all the believers. You see, those who have lived by faith in the Old Testament, they looked forward to the cross. We look back to the cross and get saved. God now and always ruled the kingdom of the universe. Listen, he created it. I don't care who says otherwise. He controls it. He orders it. He holds it together. But it is obvious to everybody that right now, God is not ruling the earth in the same way he is ruling in heaven. It is obvious. But he controls the events of a believer's life when he is invited to. You know why Jesus is not ruling on earth the same way as he is ruling in heaven? Because not everybody on the earth coming under his authority. But that day is coming. That day is coming when all of those who came under his authority will experience his full rulership. Just like he is doing now in heaven. Satan still given some freedoms in this world. God gave him some freedoms. He's under the authority of God. But nonetheless, he's got some freedom to move around. Why? So that everybody can have the freedom to choose the kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world that belongs to Satan. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, you are basically saying three things. Number one, you are saying for yourself... Lord, you may rule, and that rule be extended in my life and in every area of my life. You're praying for yourself, and you're saying, Lord, may you rule rule supreme 
in my life. Those of us who have children, when you pray thy kingdom come, you what you're saying on behalf of your children, you are saying, Lord, may your rule dominate the lives of our children. May your authority be established in the heart of our children. Lord, may your word be hidden in the hearts of my children so that they would not sin against you. Lord, your kingdom may be preeminent in the lives of my children. And for those in church leadership, when they are praying, Thy kingdom come, they are in effect saying, Lord, May your program, not ours, be established in our church. Lord, may your word, not our opinion, be the ultimate authority in our church. Lord, may your will be established in our decision making and in our planning. Lord, may you be supreme ruler and the ultimate authority in this church. Here's something I don't want you to ever forget. For those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, The core difference, the core difference between a dismayed and defeated Christian and a vibrant and victorious Christian, the core difference is in the area where Jesus reigns. Whether he reigns in your life partially, whether he reigns completely. That is the core difference. That is the core reason and difference between defeat and victory. I want to illustrate this to you. As most of you know, I travel overseas quite a bit, and many times I would meet somebody and say, you know, come and visit us in Atlanta. Come and stay with us. And some people, somehow, they just take me up on my invitation, (laughs) for which I'm glad. So suppose somebody comes into my house, and I say, no, I want you to feel at home. You have the run of the house. Anything you want, just help yourself to. You don't have to ask. You don't have to. Just come. You are my guest. You are my honored guest. Please stay as long as you want to. (laughs) Then I leave for work. (laughs) But before I leave for work, I lock up the refrigerator (laughs) and the pantry and the bathroom and the dining room and the living room. So when my guest wakes up in the morning and is trying to use the bathroom and he feels this was locked. He goes to the kitchen, try to get something to eat. The fridge is locked. Pantry is locked. Try to maybe watch the news on target. Living room is locked. Everywhere he goes, it's all the doors are locked. He can't do a thing. What kind of a host am I? What kind of a host am I? I tell my guests to come in and feel at home, but I confided him to the guest bedroom. In my house. Listen to me, please. I want to submit to you this morning that there are so many Christians who invite Jesus into their lives and they're glad to receive salvation from his hand. They're glad to be saved, but they lock him out of every other area in their life. If you say to him, Lord, You're welcome to be my savior, but you know what? When it comes to my business, I have the Harvard MBA. I will run it myself. You are locking him out of your business. When it comes to your relationship, and they said, well, Lord, I've got to be practical in this world, Lord, and and, and I'm just going to, and you lock him out of your relationships. And then when it comes to money, you say, Lord, I just got so many expenses. I can't give you anything, Lord. Well, unlock him out of your finances. And then when it comes to what you see and what you hear, and what you read, 
And they say, well, Lord, you know, I've just got to be informed in this world. I mean, you know, inquiring minds need to know. <laughs> and you lock him out of your mind. Then you pray, thy kingdom come. What in the world are you doing? <laughs> you're saying with your lips what in practice you're not doing. That is why I'm so reticent to repeat the Lord's Prayer every Sunday just by rote, because most people don't understand what an incredible commitment they're making with their lips, but their lives are far from what they say with their mouths. The second way to pray, Thy kingdom come, is when you pray for the unsaved, for those who have not come and become citizens of the kingdom of God. What you're saying is this. When you say, thy kingdom come, you're saying, Lord, may the souls of the lost people who don't know you as Lord turn and believe in you. You are saying, Lord, may those who are your enemies and the enemies of the gospel repent and come back to you. Lord, may those who are under Satan's rule, under this world system rule, turn and seek you with all of their heart and have your rule over them. Lord, may those who are citizens of the kingdom of this world become the citizen of the kingdom of God. Lord, may those who are deluded by thinking themselves to be Christians because they have a church membership be delivered from their delusion and come under your authority oh Lord may you increase the number of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven here on earth that's what you say thy kingdom come when you're praying thy kingdom come you're saying Lord we know That there is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely nothing. Not the stock and bonds. May all my net worth. Oh God, everything I have. It compares nothing to my citizenship in your kingdom. That's what you're saying every time you say, thy kingdom come. Every time you say, thy kingdom come, you're saying, Lord, I know that all of our efforts, that all of our good works, that all of our worthwhile causes, that all of our successes, that all of our education are but rubbish in comparison to being a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's what you're saying. Every time you say, thy kingdom come. I'm going to move quickly to the third thing that you are saying when you say, Thy kingdom come. And it is that you are longing for his second coming. And he's coming back. Make no mistake about it. He is coming back. But if you don't long for heaven, if you don't long for the complete rule of God, if you don't long to be with the Lord Jesus, if you don't long to return for the Lord Jesus Christ to return, then think again about praying Thy kingdom come. Because that's what you're saying. Thy kingdom come. Because that's what you're saying. Come Lord Jesus. I want to conclude by telling you two things from the scripture. One is Psalm 84 verse 10. Here's what the psalmist said. He said, I would rather be a doorkeeper or a doorman at the temple of the Lord than live in the palace of wickedness. The apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said that our body, for the body of the believer is the temple of God is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I want you to put these two passages together. And what you're going to discover is this. That we are not masters of the temple, that body, but we're only doorkeepers. 
And our job is to ensure that the doors of the temple are closed to defilements. They are closed to the material that could destroy this temple. Are closed to substance that could destroy this temple. That they are closed to anything that tries to come in through the ear gate, through the eye gate, through the mind gate. That only what is wholesome, what is holy and what is godly, what's pure would come in. There's no use praying thy kingdom come unless you are intending to be an alert gatekeeper. The kingdom of God is not a geographical domain. It is, it is an inner condition of mind and will and spirit in which God's will becomes my will. There are probably three different categories of people here today are listening to me. Probably there are some who have never, ever taken the kingdom citizenship. Those who are still citizens in this world system. And they thought, well, everybody is, as long as they're good, everything is okay. And they did not realize until this morning that only when you take Jesus as King and Savior and Lord of your life will you make it to heaven. I want to urge you, I'll urge you on my knees if I have to, to make that decision today. There is no other way to make it to heaven except through King Jesus. And there's probably another category of people who are listening to me this morning. And those who think that they can have a dual citizenship. One foot in the world and one foot with God. I want to tell you on the authority of the word of God. It does not work. That is not the way God works. That is not what his word said. He said, make a choice this day. And then there is a category that probably the most of you belong to, and it is this. Those of you who are members of the kingdom of God, a citizen of the kingdom of God, that like me, at one day in your life you said yes to Jesus, but then you locked him out of many areas of your life. You keep saying, well, I just have to take control over this area. You keep saying, well, Lord, you should understand this is the world I live in. I've got to be practical. I want to tell you very simply, either he is the Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Whatever category that you fit in, as we come in prayer, I urge you, I plead with you in the name of the Lord Jesus that you will make that decision. Shall we pray? If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, If God is whispering in your spirit, this is an invitation for you to say, Lord Jesus, I heard for the first time that only by citizenship in your kingdom and when Jesus become my king that I will make it to heaven. Those of you who say, Lord, I've been have one foot here and one foot there and I thought I can wing it. And all of those who have known the Lord Jesus and like me have said yes to him, but They keep locking him out of some areas of their life and say, Lord Jesus, take over. Be a supreme ruler today. Reign supreme in my life. Whatever door that I've locked up, I open to you. Here are the keys. And invite him in. And God is so gracious. He will not invade. He will gently come in. Father God, You are the searcher of the heart. 
You know what's inside. You know our thoughts before we think them. And if we put a mask and fool each other, we can't fool you. For you know us through and through. Our God, we thank you for speaking to us from your word. We thank you that this day will stand as a day of testimony, either against us or for us in the day of judgment. For the scripture said, when you hear the voice, harden not your hearts, lest this opportunity might not be repeated. Father God, we come to you. We surrender to you. We acknowledge you to be the king, supreme ruler. And if it is the desire of your heart, And you can repeat those magnificent words that the Lord Jesus taught us to say. Thy kingdom come. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.